0: I got a text one day out of the blue and it's uh, from one of the guys who used to play for Richmond Footy Club. Uh, as you know, I'm the chaplain there. And um, this guy just texted me and he he asked, would we be able to catch up? Sure, like, of course. So I met up with him and it's the next day or two and got there, we sat down and within a minute or two, it was obvious why we're there. Uh, he told me, like, there were some circumstances in his life which were causing him to ask some some questions and and some of those questions around that whole topic of Jesus anyway so for the next couple of hours we sat and talked and and i tried best i could just to answer his questions and we had ch- a real just awesome time to be able to talk together um it's a couple of weeks later, now, a few weeks later, I think, um, you know, we'd already had another couple of chats in there, and now it's an evening, it's a night time. I'm on my way to meet this guy um, and his partner, and we're going to have dinner together. And on the way there, I start thinking about another guy, another player, um, and um, and this is another guy who I who I know, and and uh, and he. He loves Jesus, this guy. I call him on the way. I'm just calling him just to say good day, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I don't get him. So then I, I call his partner. And I just think, well, I'll say good day to her. And we're chatting away for a little while. And then she says to me, So, what are you doing tonight, Jeff? And before I even get to answer her question, she says, I know what you're doing. And then she proceeds to tell me that, that I'm on my way to have dinner with this other guy. And I said, How'd you know that? And she explains, and and I find out later in the night. So, you know, so what I do is I get there, have some dinner, and during the course of our conversation, chatting with this guy who just wants to find out a bit more about Jesus. And I start just trying to, just, I mean, you know, like it's, it's a night of an awesome medium rare steak. I'm really enjoying that. And we're talking about Jesus. And I just go to tell this guy and I start to try and tell him about how the real Jesus doesn't make you grow two heads, you know? Like he doesn't make you weird. He doesn't put you in a straitjacket and take away the fun out of life. He doesn't bind you up and destroy life. Like he actually makes your life better. And I'm, I'm trying to explain to him, you know, that, that the real Jesus takes a good man and makes him better again. And he enhances life immeasurably. And And as I say it, This guy interrupts me and he names that other player the one who knows Jesus. He says that's exactly who he is, the good guy, loves Jesus. And it was those two, uh, that was the reason on the night, on the way to dinner, I couldn't get through to the other guy because they're on the phone together. Talking. Man, that takes my breath away. Because, like, of course he's going to talk to me because I'm the chaplain. But who did he really want to talk to? He just wanted to talk to one of his mates. And he wanted to talk to one of his mates who was, and he's like an awesome guy. Just a good guy he loves Jesus hey how does your life speak because your life does speak how does it speak what does it say I'm just wondering if, if you'd be here with us this morning and you would kind of shrug your shoulders and say that your life doesn't really say much at least it doesn't say anything significant Jeff and even though you know Jesus is good and you know that Jesus has touched your life, and even though you might use language like, well, he's rescued you from darkness and given you light, that, that's lasting forever. Really, when it's all said and done, you can't see yourself having all that much luck at, at passing on that, that good news or that good thing that Jesus has done for you to anyone else? Like you know, someone else. Like <laughs> some of the obvious ones in our church family. You got you got a friend who's just obvious, haven't you? I got I got a few. I got one that I'm thinking of. Dave, his name is. Dave's a friend of mine who lives down at Port Arlington, and honestly, if if you walk into McDonald's to get a coffee with Dave, he'll strike up a conversation. With the person beside him, and before long he'll be talking about Jesus. Like, I'm not exaggerating. We make fun of him, like our circle of friends. We we, we make fun of him. somebody's just got to move, and Dave will talk to him about Jesus. You got a friend like that. You got you got a few. There's obvious ones in our church family too, and they're just legendary, aren't they? Um, but it's not you. It's not the way you work. I mean, it might be because, like, you love to work that way, but you just can't. That's what you feel. Might also be because you're not really interested in working that way. Like, ah, oh, I don't want to do that. Besides, what do you think of this suggestion? That, that if I say in this modern age and in our comfortable Western world, We've become very politically correct. And so we want to say and do all the right things and we don't want to offend people. So I would just say, if I suggested that we're not so inclined to, and I quote, speak up, end quote, speak up for Jesus. We're not so inclined, are we? But I wanted to ask you this morning, is that the way that Jesus wants us to be? Oh really? Is is that what Jesus intended for us to, quite frankly, be people who don't speak up for Him? Now, if you've been around these last couple of months, you've tracked with us through the life of Peter. He uh, is just a fisherman. He's from Bethsaida, on the north of the Sea of Galilee in Palestine. And he's more too. Like he's almost a laugh a minute. This guy, isn't he? Like because because he's he's almost funny. Because he's he kind of means well, but he's loud. He's forceful. He's hot headed. Got a temper, and he's a big talker. Um. Unlikely in the extreme, this guy, this fisherman from Bethsaida who's continually putting his foot in his mouth and trying to throw his weight around and talking real big, but not really coming through with the action. This fisherman, unlikely in the extreme, but somehow we've seen in the story, I mean, Jesus of Nazareth has caught up with him, has met him. And in the very first conversation they ever had, Jesus has said to him, because his name, his birth name is Simon, he said, you're not going to be called Simon anymore. I'm changing your name to Peter. And and Peter, we know it actually means rock. And then there was another time when Jesus said to Peter, uh, you're Peter and you are the rock on which I will build my church. This fisherman from Bethsaida is a very unlikely candidate to be the rock on which Jesus builds his church. That's why he's a laugh a minute. (laughs) And um, he's also a bit like us where he may be inclined not to speak up for Jesus. You remember last week, Peter and John, remember Peter and John went to, you, all right, all right, I know. You're telling me, please, Jeff, please don't sing that song to us again. All right, I won't. But you know, Peter and John went to pray and they met a lame man in the way. And, and Peter and John then, we saw this last week, they're speaking, they're acting, they're listening, they're discerning in the name of Jesus. Wow, how powerful. Powerful beyond words is the name of Jesus. We saw that last week. And in the name of Jesus, they have healed this guy who's been lame for more than 40 years since birth. And then after that's happened, outside the temple, and it's on Solomon's porch on the middle level, of the temple complex, when we left them last week, Peter had, Peter had seized the opportunity and he had talked to the crowd. If you want to read the story sometime, it's in Acts chapter 4. And then while Peter and John are still talking to the crowd. In comes a few high powered religious bigwigs. Um, it's a religious society. And so these power brokers, these religious power brokers, that they saw what's happening. There's a commotion, there's a disturbance, there's people everywhere. And they wanna know what's going on and and they want to stop it. So you see, when you when you wonder if you should just shut up, when you wonder if you should just shut your mouth. You follow the story in Acts chapter 4 and, and, and these religious bigwigs, they're not happy with what's being said. Peter and John and the poor guy who they've healed, they're summarily arrested. Um, back in my police days, you know, you, 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 you grab a crook outside of hours, and if they're not going to get bail and go home, or you're not going to let them go, if, if they're going to have to get locked up and go to court, then we, we get get a like a bail justice to come in and we remand them in custody overnight until the courts open the next morning. Well, I don't know if they get a bail justice here, but um, Peter and John and their friend... They're thrown in prison for the night. And the message goes out and says, we've got to get the council together. Now, the council that we're talking about here, uh, this is called the Sanhedrin. And it is the most venerable and authoritative assembly and court in that area of the world right now, if not in the world. It represented the the 70 elders who'd been chosen way back in Old Testament times to assist Moses. And so you've got this big group of very influential, powerful religious people who formed the Sanhedrin, which is the council. They are in charge of the religious landscape of the society they live in. The high priest presided over the Sanhedrin and around him in a semicircle sat the heads of the 24 priestly classes and the doctors of law and the fathers of the ancient Jewish families. And there are Pharisees who are the experts in the law. And there's the Sadducees. And we used to ask when I was a kid, why do the Sadducees look so sad? Well, because they're sad, you see. <laughs> That's not funny, is it? But the Sadducees, you know, they're a sect within Jewish religion. And one of the things they do not believe in is any afterlife or any resurrection from the dead. And so you can understand that with all these religious bigwigs coming and finding Peter and John and saying, listen, you guys, it's time to shut up. you are going to throw you in jail for the night and first thing tomorrow morning, we will convene the Sanhedrin and you guys will come before us. We'll bring you out of your prison cell. We'll examine you. We'll find out what's going on. You can, you can imagine the dilemma. Because if what Peter and John are saying and ascribing to that Jesus has risen from the dead. Well, the Sadducee sect is over. Doesn't exist anymore. You see, friends, here's what we need to know. And that is that Jesus, and I'm talking about the real Jesus, Jesus, the real Jesus, stands out. Can we we forever let go of the idea that I'm going to follow Jesus, but people will not notice? One of the most damning things that I can remember ever being said to me, this guy There's a couple of guys there, and the guy that said it, I'm sure he thought he was making a beautiful compliment to me, but it really, really troubled me. I was a police detective. We are in the middle of a court case. We had our lunch break. We'd gone down to the local police headquarters. We'd gone up the cafe. We're sitting there. We're eating lunch together. And this guy looks at me, and, you know, my nickname as a cop was Shep. Hey, Shep. You're just like the rest of us, aren't you? Shep, you're just like the rest of us. And, and I, I know, I, I know that he was trying to, and in fact, he was paying me a compliment in terms of what he was trying to say. you But I was thinking to myself, really, if I am just like the rest of us, is that what I want to be? Like if Jesus is just some nice little thing in my life, is that what do I want to be? Is Jesus the real Jesus stands out? You know, as the Sanhedrin listened to these guys the next morning, you check it out in your Bible in Acts chapter 4, they were irresistibly reminded of Jesus, couldn't ignore him. You know, Jesus wants and empowers you to stand up for him. Jesus wants and empowers you to stand up for him. Um, you know, like Jesus said one other time, he said, you you people who follow me, if you're following the real Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. It's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15. You're the salt of the earth. Make no mistake, if you're following Jesus, if you're authentically following Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. And you know it, don't you? When you... Add salt to food, it does not go unnoticed. Stands out, stands out. There's Peter and John went to pray, met a lame man on the way. They're talking <laughs> jail for the night, Sanhedrin the next morning. And you know what the Sanhedrin end up deciding to do because they actually send Peter and John out of the room and they talk amongst themselves. This is, you know, this is the legal argument. We call it, uh, the, the Latin term for it is the voir dire. The legal argument. What are we going to do with these guys? This is the tribunal sitting behind closed doors. Is he guilty or is he not? What are we going to do? And they actually say to themselves, you know what? We're not going to be able to shut these guys up. We'll, we'll just tell them. Don't do this anymore and we'll let him go. Because... You see, they're irresistibly reminded of Jesus. The real Jesus stands out. Please, please. You know, like Jesus wants you to know today that he wants and empowers you to stand out, to stand up, I'm sorry. And I'll tell you another thing too, is that the Holy Spirit gives power and he gives it like dynamite. The Holy Spirit gives power like dynamite. That's what he did for these guys. You read about it after they get released by the Sanhedrin. They go and they find all the other believers, and they're all together. They've been meeting together and they're praying together. And then you hear what happens there is that when they're there, the house, the household, you know where they were, it shook as the Holy Spirit filled them all. And visited them. You see, the Holy Spirit gives power like dynamite. You were sitting there a minute the ago, weren't you thinking, no, I can't do this. I, I I don't get to tell people about Jesus, it doesn't really work for me. Well, you're right. You don't get to do it. And it doesn't really work for you. But the Holy Spirit in you does get to do it. And the Holy Spirit in you does make it work. The Holy Spirit gives power like dynamite. And, you know, Jesus promised that right before he went back to heaven from planet Earth. And remember, that's happened before this story that we're talking about today. Jesus is gone now. And what he did was, right before he left, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm leaving now. I'm going to, when I get back to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Do you know what the word for power is? In the Greek language, the word is dunamis. It's the word we get dynamite from, friends. Hey, the Holy Spirit doesn't give some Nancy boy little power. He he gives power. And that's what he gave to Peter and John. Because Peter and John said to the council, to the Sanhedrin, when they said, listen, you guys, you're going to have to shut up. Don't do this anymore. You know, they they uttered these these famous words, um, we must obey God rather than men. We can't be quiet. We can't be quiet. Um, it was, you know, years ago back in the, when I was a young guy, I was a cop, and um, and, and youth happening, you see, I don't even know what the equivalent is of it today, but it was thousands of people used to gather up at Belgrave Heights at the convention grounds there, and all these young people would be there. There'd be thousands, a lot of them be camping. There'd be thousands of people, and I was a cop, and we were in the Christian Police Association, and so we used to have to get uh, asked to work there. So we're working as police at youth happening. I remember there was this guy and girl and um, somehow it came to our attention they're not that far from where the police caravan was and they they're handing out this really weird literature it was some sort of religious literature something to do with a cult or a sect you know and so we go to see them and we say listen you you can't you can't hand that literature out here and long story short we end up with the organizers of the whole event there a whole event there and there's a bunch of us police that are there and we're actually going through the legal procedure to ask these people to leave the property and if they don't leave the property, they're going to be trespassing. Quite a procedure you've got to go through. It's not just a matter of get off. <laughs> Quite a legal procedure you have to go through. But we were going through that process with them and they wouldn't leave. They just kept saying, I can, I can still remember that. This is this blank, glazed look on their face. We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than And they just kept saying it. It was, it was like they were in a trance. Well, Peter and John didn't say it quite like that. They say, guys, we must obey God. We we can't stop talking about Jesus. I I wanted to ask you as well, friends, just one final suggestion, because the Holy Spirit does give power like dynamite. He does. Um, And, you know, the real Jesus in you stands out. So if you got Jesus, you're going to stand out. like Just like salt's going to flavour food, you're going to stand out. Um, and then the Holy Spirit's the one that gives you the power and the dynamite power to be able to speak up for him. And then, you know, when that happens, you can back it in. That there'll be resistance. People won't always like Jesus. What you say? I mean, please don't give them an excuse for you saying it in a pompous, rude, arrogant, self-righteous way. Don't do that. But to be allowing your life to speak and to be speaking about Jesus, it'll get some resistance. Do you know what? What this group of believers did when Peter and John went back to them? You check it out in Acts chapter four. They prayed together. And their prayers, they thanked God for the privilege of suffering for him. And they didn't ask for the suffering to stop. They didn't ask for the persecution to stop. They didn't ask for any. They just asked God for courage to keep going. Can I encourage you, don't ask for ease. Just ask for courage and wisdom. Because Jesus wants and empowers you to stand up. Jesus wants and empowers you to stand up. It says in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 15 Set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts and always be ready. To give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. I was so stoked that night to hear that, yeah, my, my friend was asking me about Jesus, but I think more importantly, asking his buddy, asking his mate. The guy who's a good guy, he's a, everyone likes him. He's, he's asking him about Jesus. What's the truth? The truth is that Jesus has rescued us, taken us from from darkness and given us the light that lasts forever. Um, Rescued us out of that way of living and brought us into a new way of living. And just remember, Jesus didn't die on the cross just to give you some nice little heaven experience. Sometime in the future. You know, you got that picture. You're going to go to heaven and just sit out on a cloud somewhere and you, and one of the angels are going to say, all right, let's sing it one more time. And you're going to have to sing Amazing Grace for the one millionth time. <laughs> um It's just your picture of heaven. Well, Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could do just that. Jesus died on the cross and Jesus came to earth. And you know what he said? He said, I came here to seek and to save the lost. And he said, um, the thief, you know, the evil one, Satan, he, he comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have life to the full. Jesus died on the cross to give us good news. But he never died on the cross to give us this personal, unsalty good news Just for us. It was only ever intended to pass it on. Let's pray. Jesus, firstly, we just want to thank you again today because you you came to earth to seek and to save lost people and, and I'm one of those and everyone who's listening, we're all one. You came to seek and to save lost people. Thank you. Thank you that you lived on earth. Thank you that you died on the cross. And in doing that, what you are doing is taking the punishment, the penalty, the, the consequence, the wage, not just of all the things that I did or said that were wrong or the things that I did not say or did not do that I should have, but so much more. the the very nature in me that just made it really natural to know how to do those things and to do them and and to do my own thing and 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 also just that that whole broken down world that we live in which means that people do the wrong thing to me too we're victims we're We live in pain. We live in brokenness. And all of that, Jesus, you died to rescue us from every bit of that. Thank you, Jesus. So I pray now for my friends, Um, any of you this morning, any of you who are like, you know, I I need to know Jesus. I'm hearing you. I'm, I'm hearing you. Jeff, God's speaking through you, it just reminding me that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I, I I want to accept his free gift. I want to accept his forgiveness for my sin. I want to surrender my life to him. And i live the life that he put me here to live. Any of you who are saying that this morning, friends, Cheer you on. Pray with you. Don't feel like you've got to use some magical words. Just, just do your best in explaining that to Jesus. Don't even have to be out loud. And then we just want to, we want to find a way to connect with you and to talk about that with you. So um, through the Facebook page, through the church office, through the, the phone numbers for our pastoral team, which you can pick up. Um, in in the memo, uh, through your friend. In some way, would you make contact with us? Because because we just want to do all we can to help you out as you embrace this life, this awesome life of following Jesus. No matter where you are, who you are, what you've done. Please, would you do that for us? And then, Lord Jesus, for the other people, because you've reminded us, the, the other people here, who already do know you. You've reminded us this morning that that you absolutely want and empower us to stand up for you. So would you give us strength to do that this week? Would you change our minds and our ways of thinking so we don't think we've got to be superhuman, but we just realise you'll do it for us and through us and in us? And we want to do that for you this week. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.